0: a lost user is a gone user. The reason why uh, onboarding is often forgotten, I often call it the ugly duckling of growth because you got the marketing and sales, they're super focused on trying to get more sales and users at the front of the door. And you got the product, uh, usually they're focused on uh, delivering the product roadmap and new features. That They forgot about this middle ground and it's left alone. And usually the two mistakes that I've seen, first of all, The first one is around neglecting it and just dropping users right in the product without any kind of direction.
1: Welcome to Exploring Product, where we go behind the scenes on what it really takes to bring new products to market. Too often, people focus just on the success stories. Our aim is to flip the script. We try to unpack what product teams actually go through when trying to bring new products to market. I'm Ryan Hatch.
2: And I'm Rob Kaminski. Every day, we're trying to build products that our customers love. And we know just how messy and difficult product work can be. We don't have it all figured out, and we're okay with that. Join us on our journey as we explore the world of creating new products.
1: We are super excited today to have Romley John on. Romley John is the author of Product-Led Onboarding. I'll be sharing key insights from his brand new book, um, welcome Romley.
0: Hey Ryan. Hey Rob. Super excited to be here. Super like, I, just, I love thinking about, about product and you know, this, this is going to be super fun. Come to the right place. Yeah,
1: man. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to talk today about, uh, what most SaaS companies get wrong with onboarding. And uh, why that's so critical, and we're also going to talk about what success looks like. Dive into some really great examples that Romney's brought along, along with how he works with clients, how the framework that that he suggests that um, that you can use in your startups to get to your uh, get your onboarding really on track. So excited to unpack this together. Let's do it. So let's start off with. Why this book, right? Let's start out with, with your motivation for this thing. You talk a little bit about, about that and what most companies get wrong.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of motivation for the book, I just it just amazes me how often onboarding or user onboarding is, is forgotten as a critical part of the customer journey or growth of a product. I mean, there's data that backs that really like, onboarding sets up users for success and for success typically the definition for a lot of software that is occurring is is retention uh there's data from profit well that came out like two years ago they studied over like 500 different types of products and they found like across the board from three six week to nine week retention those users that experience a positive uh, positive onboarding experience really does stick around a lot longer like it, it's two to three times higher retention and once again, if you're SaaS, like you know that retention results in higher revenue and higher uh, referral. It all stems out from that key retention. Uh, there's also a study from from Matrix Partners where one of their partners found that one of the leading causes for churn or for a user or a customer leaving a product is first of all when the key uh, w- when the key person who 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 brought the product onto the company leaves. So that's the first one. The second one, he said, is improperly onboarding new users to, to the product. So it's so critical, but often it's forgotten. Like I even think about, I'm looking at books right now on Amazon around onboarding and I could barely find any, I, I can barely find one uh, around using. Usually when you type onboarding, the first thing is about employee onboarding and not really related to product <laughs> onboarding. And I, I know only th- two other books that, that really focuses on onboarding, this one by Samuel Ulick uh, the elements of, of amazing onboarding. He's like this amazing expert on onboarding and UX. And the other one is called better onboarding that just came out of swap. But like really this, th- there's this gap that I'm seeing and how critical onboarding is for, for, for companies that there's not enough people who are like, talking about it or really like digging into, into how to improve it in terms of like mistakes. Like, yeah, that was the second part to that question. I think the reason why, uh, onboarding is often forgotten i often call it the ugly duckling of growth because <laughs> you got the marketing and sales they're super focused on trying to get more sales and users at the front of the door and you got the product uh, w- usually they're focused on uh, delivering the product roadmap and new features that they forgot about this middle ground and it's left alone and usually the two mistakes that i've seen first of all the first one is around neglecting it and just dropping users right in the product without any kind of direction. There's a saying that I say that a lost user is a gone user. That means that if a user gets lost, they don't know where to go. They usually, it's time to leave. Like confusion is one of the things you want to avoid for for people who are dropping into a new product. So that's the first one. It's like just neglecting it. The second one, on the other hand of neglecting it, is putting too much and overwhelming users where you're just pop-ups here I'm, I'm not sure if either of you have signed up for something where you're bombarded by pop-ups like productors like ryan check this out uh, rob check out this button like too often and it's, yeah, exactly too often. right and it, they point out every every single thing and the 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 thing that the analogy i use for this is imagine going to a grocery store and then somebody just grabbing your hand and you're you're like hey hey ryan like Here's where the chicken is. Here's where the bread is. Here's where the toilet paper is. And you're like, one second, why do you why are you showing me this? I'm just here for the chocolate bar. I'm just hungry, man. Like, why are you showing Robbie, me that's every single
2: thing? At my grocery <laughs> store. Well, maybe not to show you where the chicken's at. At my grocery store, I have to hide from the, the cable companies set up desks as soon oh, as yeah. I walk in the door and they try and get me in of like. What do you have for your cable company? Like, do you have HD channels? Like, no, I'm just make my way to the produce, like hide from it. Run right away! I do <laughs> this. I do the same all,
0: all. I do the same all the time, and I I think that's that's, that's two mistakes I see often is either it's too empty or mm-hmm. to to your point, Rob, like it's just like you you're trying to run away from the product because it just points yep. out everything.
2: So, Romley, I have a question. You said you know in why you wrote this book, like you you went looking for it, it like. Were you looking for it from the angle of like better activation and onboarding or was it for retention purposes? Like obviously you already have this experience, but maybe to like shape uh, a specific project you were working on. I don't know if that brings you back to like what got you into the search in the first place.
0: I I think it's it's um, first I was like, hey, we need our onboarding needs some love and I, I needed to sell this up. To back then, my my managers like why is onboarding uh, important, and that's when I started getting data around like how critical it is to a lot a lot of different things. Like, uh, and really, I think that's like that. I I I liken it to like a a first date or a job a job like both of you are big fans of jobs to be done, right? I and I the onboarding if jobs to be done is, is the end goal the onboarding is the job interview. <laughs> really. Like you got to really nail that job interview and that first impression uh, is super critical. There's a, I, I forget where that status that within five seconds, like people have made up the mind uh, whether they like somebody or not. Like sure we can push that off, but that uh, that's our like maybe instinct, our, our evolutionary instinct to like, hey, within five seconds, do I like this person? Do I want to hang out there or are they going to try to stab me in the back? I think it's the same yeah. thing with for products because there's so many products out there. And we just – we have very – as people, we have very, very little limited time to – and we're going to make snap decisions. And those snap decisions typically uh, stick with us uh, whether we're going to love a product or, or not within those first few minutes that we, we spend with that product.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. So most companies get two things wrong, either neglecting where they just kind of drop them in, 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 the mid, in the middle of the jungle, if you will, and just go, good luck. Right. Or, or they're just constantly tapping them with a whole bunch of things and they're just overwhelmed. <clears throat> yeah. No, that may, that makes, that makes tons of sense. And I wonder on the flip side of that, what does what good onboarding look like in in a way that like, if you were to do an audit of somebody, right, how would you know if they're good or bad like how would you how would you right. kind of like what would you look for? you know what I mean
0: for sure I guess I can approach this from two different angles. the first is like I'm just external and I don't have access to the data. I think you, you kind of sense uh, uh, that something is good when you when it has a clear sense of purpose, and what I mean by that is they have a good, very strong idea of why their product uh, is valuable, and what is it that first, they try to get you to to that beachhead or to that one, just one thing to get you to stick to it. And I an example I like bringing up is around Calendly, Calendly is this easy way to book meetings with somebody. And when you sign up for it, they they do it step by step. First of all, the first thing they try to get you to do is connect your Google Calendar. So once you have that, now they have access to that. The second thing they, think they do is they don't want you to send that calendly link to a podcast guest or a sales uh, a sales lead because that's too risky. The first thing they try to do uh, to get you to do is book a test meeting with yourself. So I think that just mm-hmm. it, it, it it there's a sense of 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 purpose but also they're trying to de-risk it slowly but surely so that hey okay this is what it looks like when I send it to Ryan or Rob or to somebody else so that when you send out that link you're not embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Right, so when you when you do finally send it out, like it, 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 you know it works, and and you can you know what to expect from it. So I think that's what I, that's when the, it's clear the first product action, and that's what the, the only thing they focus on. They they don't talk about well, if you if you connect your Stripe, you can get paid with Calendly. Well, if you have a lot of salespeople, then you can have multiple. No, no, that's not the first thing they focus on, even though that that's probably. Um, valuable later down the road, but they focus yeah. on just getting you to use that one key thing. Uh, for Calendly, it's getting you to book a meeting with yourself. I think that's what I would do if I was external. If like, is their purpose here, and they're really driving towards that instead of like being distracted with other things. The yeah. second is if I'm really inside and like I get access to their data, would be like that, the, a good measure of success is seeing them uh, now seeing the number of people who are signing up and completing that first key product action. Uh, and once again, in Calendly, how many people are actually signing up and 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 getting to uh, book a meeting with themselves to test it out? And how long does it take them to do that? And then finally, how long does it take them to actually send it out to uh, another person, whether there's somebody internal in the company or to a lead? Or to your podcast guests, and you're really like trying to find that time, like how long it takes for them to see the value of the product, uh, and then just seeing if there's re- really improvements into getting them to see that value sooner. So that's that's one metric that I would really mm-hmm. look at would be something called time to value, or the time it takes for people to see the value, and the percentage percentage of new users that actually complete. Uh, and accomplish that key product action would be like some, some kind of metrics that I, w- I would definitely look at.
2: When you're, s- those, that metric's super interesting. What do you look for? And It, it might depend on the context of products so or maybe some examples pop in your mind, but like, what is a good time to value, right? Are we talking like seconds and minutes to get to something, days and weeks? Like, and I don't know, take me into maybe an example that you, right. you've you come across that that makes sense there.
0: Yeah, I, there's this. Actually, that's that's a really interesting question around time to value, because often the advice people give is just just shorten your time to value as quickly as possible. But the problem with that that um, that advice is that when you're trying to learn something, <laughs> if they rush you through it, you're not going to retain any new information. For example, if if somebody's trying to teach you how to play the piano for the first time, and they're like, okay, here's a, here's c. That's all you know now. All The only thing you know how to play is, is uh, Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. And you can't play anything else. You don't know why you're doing that. It's not going to be very helpful. So there is mm-hmm. a study actually by Inner Trends. Uh, they're like this data company where they found that they reduced their time to value to like two to three minutes. And they found that they're actually losing more users because they've reduced it too too little that people are not really getting it. They're rushing them through, teaching them. So they actually had wow. to increase their time to value to five to six minutes to really get them to uh, kind of learn how, how to use the product. And, and uh, there's this blog from their CEO, Claudio, that I have to find and dig up that really shares this really interesting information. That is, it's the, the whole point of this is like, you want to optimize time to value not for people to experience that value, but for people to stick around. You're optimizing for retention again. So, like, if yeah. if it takes six minutes for somebody a time to value for somebody to stick around ten weeks after, then that's that's totally fine. Versus like trying to push it to three seconds, and yeah. then everybody just get confused and they they totally leave for that. So, uh, interesting your answer, it, it really does depend and you need to, uh, your team needs to optimize and figure out like, um, look at the cohorts and like, look at the different users based on the time to value for yeah. each one. So what I almost
2: hear and tell me where I'm way off base, but from the first concept you introduced of like finding the first bit of progress. And what I heard was almost micro progress. What's the first small thing you can do to get you on that journey you, you have to balance that with time to value. You can't cram it all in. And so those two like, key points is really kind of a, the fine-tuning across those. Does that sound like fair in those two key things to think about?
0: 100%. Yeah, you, you, definitely, awesome. want, you definitely want to get the quick win first, but like you, uh, and then like getting them to, to the full value of your product can take a few minutes to like really set up everything. It's so Perfect. interesting because yeah. it's, it's almost like, and, and we know this intuitively. We,
1: like the reason my product is hard is because it's not just a science. Like it's not just over oh, reduced time to value to, you know, to, to, to minimize it completely. It's actually, it's actually an art, right? It's like, it's a dance with the customer on, on what's, what's too little information. What's too much information, right? what's, what's just enough to bring them along that they, that they, but they stay engaged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the I, the the example of the Calendly because like <clears throat> booking with yourself, like cause 'cause you're getting to see like both, you know, Calendly, you're it's, you're not the only person involved. Like it's you and, and whoever you're inviting. And I like that it actually gives you a perspective of the other side of the mm. table and lets you kind of like walk around the experience to understand what the other person sees too. 100%.
0: And I, I love you what you said it, that this is more of an art, right? Like it's, it really is like whenever somebody is like, oh, here's a civil bur- bullet to improve your onboarding, just do product tours <laughs> or just just do this. Yeah. Uh, I'm like that, you know, like the, this the the, the, the the consultant in most people or the smart, I, I, I wouldn't know how to say, it, but it, it depends. <laughs> it depends on your users. It depends on your product. It depends on like exactly what you need. And sometimes th- things that we think are friction, I think that's the thing is like things that we think are friction is actually quote unquote good friction in the onboarding because that's actually helping users to learn something. Because think about any kind of learning. It requires some kind of friction. Like once again, going back to the piano example, if you've never played piano before and you want to become a grandmaster pianist, like it's you need, fricking, you need to struggle. You need to struggle a little yeah. bit for that. And I think finding the balance with the struggle with them, like, oh, I'm I, I'm done with piano. I hate it. Like, same thing with your product. Like, finding that balance with, with the, the good friction, with, like, friction that gets people annoyed it, is definitely more of an art mm. than it is science. Mm.
2: I love that concept, like, good friction. It sounds really <laughs> negative. Where my mind goes, like, especially in terms of jobs, is almost like, you're talking about the emotional aspect of it a little bit of like, how do I, how am I supposed to feel going through these things? And it, it can't be this this rainbow journey that everything's perfect. Like you need, like we're human, right? We're going to experience like emotions, even in a, in a good onboarding experience. And so I, when you say that, that's what triggers me is like, how should you feel knowing that you're trying something completely new to get to some destination at the end Uh, But I've never heard it put that way, so it's super interesting. Sure.
1: Yeah, And what this is really bringing up for me is like, you mentioned the outside view and the inside view, right? If you're going to go do an audit, you look at the actual customer experience themselves, what's it like to go through the experience as a customer, and then, you know, kind of like more macro inside the company, what's my funnel look like, what are people dropping off and what's the analytics look like? But. You know, we all know that looking at the data tells you what's happening, but not why. And so I'm really interested, and I'm, we'll get to an example in a second, but maybe you could just give us some insight um, now about, it really feels like the only way we talk about an art and like it's dance with the customer and, and, and time to value too early, or I'm, I'm going give, to give up because this is too frustrating, but it was just difficult enough that I learned something and I'm willing to come back for the next piano lesson. Right. What, you know, what this is reinforcing for me is that continuous discovery, right? Like Mm. you're going to need to get back to qualitative interviews to figure out how they're feeling in the onboard. And I'm really curious on strategies you've used to do that. And actually, you know, especially strangers where you actually like, you know, this isn't B2B where you have you know, it's, it's like, they don't know you from, from Adam basically. And they're going through your experience and how have you gotten insight on that first couple seconds. Right. Um, can you can you get first couple of minutes? Can you talk about how you've done continuous discovery and, and gotten key insights and in how you've gotten?
0: Yeah. Um there's I'm I'm definitely a big fan of what you were just talking about, like definitely talking to customers uh, and like finding out that Rob to your point as well about that emotional journey, the success uh, uh, and really figuring that out an example that I found, and, and uh, this is something that I've heard from Andrew Kaplan. He used to lead growth at Wistia as well as, uh, Postscript. And now he's like a founder of Del- delivering value, helping like growth teams out. It's like one simple way. And it, it's, it's quite surprising how simple it sounds, but it's actually brought them a lot of insights, particularly to what he, this is What the same fact that he did at Wistia, this video, um, uh, Video platform uh, that um, a lot of people use when he was leading growth there to improve their onboarding. He just did a a little pop up survey when people log log in for the first time and he just asked a simple question What are you trying to achieve? Or what what is your goal today with Wistia? And he got a ton of insight, practically who they are and what they're trying to achieve. Uh, And even like with one word or two words, exactly. Uh, what they're trying to achieve with, with Wistia and that product was super insightful because what they did next to really improve their onboarding is he found they found that like the top three reasons why somebody signs up for Wistia and they started segmenting their onboarding. So they would segment, they would show a different kind of product tour, they would highlight different kind of features, they would change up the onboarding emails. Based on exactly why you chose that first question, what what are you doing here today with Westia? And I think that's just something that's so key and mm. insightful is going to the why and go and speaking in the the jobs to be, jo- the jobs to be uh, done term. The customer job, like what is the job that they're trying to do with that? Whether they're just trying to generate more leads with videos, or are they trying to showcase their brand with that video? Whatever that job is, then you can start highlighting features and emotional stuff based on that particular one. So I think that that was such a simple thing that I, I've been really seeing a lot of uh, – I've been suggesting to other people that they're getting a lot of insights out of that as well, just a simple – um, pop-up survey that you can use something like Hotjar or uh, some other kind of survey tool that like shows up right when people signs up, uh, and and figuring out exactly why somebody's signing up with, without like getting into it. And once you have that answer, maybe you can even go deeper and ask them for an interview based on that. Oh, it's like oh, I noticed Hey, I, um, Ryan, I noticed you said that you're using videos to. Uh, generate more leads uh can i talk a little bit of, with you about that for like five uh 10 15 minutes just to dig deeper into that so i think that's just it's a segue to a, a, a further conversation uh so now yeah. you know who exactly is open to a discussion versus people who are just like oh i'm gonna ignore the survey
2: hmm. brilliant no data to inform the the qualitative discussions crazy. like that's that's money to us like music to our ears in terms of like understanding context around the situation and the job but then going and and validating that and just talking through it with a potential customer um romley i know you have like a framework um and so i i'd really love to kind of get into it one of the things we we do on exploring product is kind of getting into the weeds a little bit so i want to hear kind of uh i want to hear about your approach uh i know you have something kind of to share in that and then maybe we can open it up into a a case study to apply that
0: yeah let me just share this over oh perfect that was easy okay. <laughs> so yeah there's this this framework that we use called the bowling alley framework this is something that West Bush actually created uh and if people are interested in checking it out it's productletcom forward slash exploring dash product uh and it, essentially it, in a bowling alley uh in the bowling you your goal is to hit a uh, stripe which is hitting all the pins this white thing at the end of this lane and the Getting that strike is all about getting that win. Going back to Calendly, uh, the first strike is getting a meeting booked with somebody else for the first time. And in bowling, you have your current state and you want to roll it down straight down to getting that first strike. In this in this, in this uh, framework, the straight line onboarding is like the minimum number of steps that people need to take, the num- minimum number of things they have to do or minimum number of futures they have to learn to achieve that, that desired outcome or first strike. And there's a few uh, things that you need to do to to achieve that. I mean, the first one we've already been talking all about this uh, for both uh, Rob and Ryan. Like we're talking about like really understanding what success is for the users, understanding what we talked about that emotion. What is that functional? What is that social job that people are trying to accomplish? Uh, often this is the most often this is this is where things go wrong. The reason why is people just jump into like, hey, just let's just implement a product tour. But if you don't have a clear purpose, you don't have a clear idea of what success is for users, it's like going on a road trip and not knowing where you're going to go. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make sense. You're going to waste a ton of gas. You're going to waste a ton of food. You're going to waste a ton of resources if you don't know where you're going with that. And that and and going back to what we just talked about just now, by like using surveys, talking to your customers, this is super, super critical. If you miss a step, everything else in the, in, in the next steps will really not work out as well. Once you do that, like what we do is we, we ask you to map out your current journey. So you can use like Trello or some other things like right now we're using Miro or Mural or even like a, just a whiteboard. People, that's definitely something people can use. And what we suggest is like what I suggest would be every single field or button click or every single thing that a user has to do would be a post-it note in, in Miro or it could be like a card in Trello. And we'll see exactly why why that's super super critical once you do that we have this system uh that, that that i use uh red yellow and green kind of system for every single step that you have in your onboarding uh that you've just mapped out in the previous step what you want to do is mark it first of all by yourself and then ask your team to do it as well uh, and if you have data you want to be using this here as well uh and based on insights from users but green are those steps that are absolutely mission critical for users to to see or experience or to to go through to really experience that success that we talked about in step one yellow is ones that you you can delay after they achieve that first success and red are just ones that are just these are bad fiction <laughs> these are ones that you really need to chop off and it is, it's time to to let it go and once you have that, you want to go with your team together and just discuss this. I think this is where it gets interesting is somebody from sales, uh, for, for teams that have a sales team might say, hey, you, you said that, that that phone number or that thing that you said that field is not necessary, but our sales team actually really uses it. And I, I believe it's green. So there's now this healthy conversation with your product, with engineering, with design and with, with your marketing and sales to really discussing what are the mission critical fields that users Need to see to achieve success, and for you to help them out achieve that success, particularly, and that's your straight line onboarding. Once you gather all the green ones with that, so that's just a simple framework that that we, you guys have any questions before? Like I just do a sample where we go through this.
2: I think the sample would be great in my mind. What comes to like so having worked around kind of UI and UX, just even just in product concepts, the one piece that I. I feel like would come up running this exercise. So I'm curious how you might combat this hypothetical situation. Is everyone thinks every part is critical or required. Right. Like how, how do you approach that? Like it, where it comes up in our work all the time is when we're looking at features. So it's right. I'm trying to make that analogy where it's like, no, we have to have that or it's that oh, we must have that what, what sort of criteria or how do you coach around that to like, really let them know that no, it's not required. Uh, and I have some thoughts, but I kind of want to hear openly where you go. Um, we'll take it from there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's definitely a challenge that, that, that could come up. What I would, what I usually suggest to teams in that scenario is like really go into like, if you have data go through, which ones are where people are getting stuck. And if you have insights, if it is mission critical, back it up with insights from users and you're like are there some insights there particularly that people people can share and, and show up to to that part uh, and if not, then uh, really like yeah. is, is there small experiments that you can show, hey, this is absolutely mission critical for for people to go through uh, and then if yeah. people don't then and then that's that's totally fine. What I do find is mo- most people when they go through this I suggest to them that not every step is mission, mission girls. So they, they need to mark at least a few red if that's the case. Sure. So i mean, like, yeah, that's usually what happens uh, is what, what I, what I would usually what I suggest with them. It's a great. Question. That makes,
2: that makes perfect sense. It, it What it puts in my mind is back to what you said of like, what is that first success, right? When we opened up right. the conversation. And so my mind even goes into like time, right? Like right. almost Time box the the person or user is not going to spend all day onboarding right and so maybe almost create and it's it's exactly what you said Just kind of inverse It's like you have to mark some red. Well, you can only pick Seven of the ten cards that are right. out here, right? Just kind of framing it a different way right. um, But that makes sense. Thanks for that.
0: I'm curious what you what your responses to that Like when everybody's like, oh all of this features are mandatory. How do you guys how do you guys uh, approach that scenario? Where? Everybody thinks every feature is, is a must-have, not a nice.
2: Yeah, uh, it's, it's such a, it's, I mean, it, it's funny. You're throwing my same question back, so I appreciate it. And also like, damn, that's a hard question. Uh, for us, I think it's first things first, right? So mm-hmm. I, we, we like to think almost chronologically in terms of, I guess, value. Um, and we weigh it, we think of it in terms of need and jobs to be done. So like, if we really get to a point where we have to make trade-offs, like we go right back, almost what you said, go back to the data, go back to the user information that we have. The, the other reality that often we get working with startups, we don't know the perfect answer. So we have to pick one. And so we'll force ourselves to pick one and then go in with a, an experimentation mindset saying, Hey, this is a, this is a two door deci- or a, a two door decision where we can always come back and change our minds. So we know it's this imperfect science where we might have to learn more going forward.
0: I like it doing like little experiments to figure out like, Hey, Was this even helpful? People find, or do people find this annoying? Yeah, this is this is a
1: great. This is a seeing even your framework just sparks some thoughts for me because I wonder, like, this is stuff that nobody thinks about. I think you 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 kind of evidenced that right by like the only onboarding book you could find was for employee onboarding. You know, it's like when we talk to founders, it's always about it's always about the product. It's mm. almost never about the customer and their job to be done. Right. 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 Um, and so what that, you know, naturally lends itself to is uh, features talking about, you know, right. I've got to have all these features and, and it becomes a conversation of what features are most important and you sure. Um, but I, I wonder here, I almost wonder like um, if you're, if you're approaching a product from, from ground zero, I see a lot of times like I can see right here and maybe you're in your example, but I think a lot of founders naturally would build the product first. That's your, that's right. their inclination. Why? Cause they're afraid that they have to have everything polished before they go right. talk to a customer, right? They have to have something built. Um, and then I think then they would go back to onboarding when they actually try to get your first customers on, on and, and, you know, bumpy, bumpy road. My question for you is like, does it make sense to do some core features and come back or Mm. (laughs) is it the inverse? Is it like, I'm only going to, I'm only going to work on building like the first minute, the first two minutes. Right. And then, and then go from, and then go from there. Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, how this, how this, when you, when you're launching a company from zero, how much thought you put into onboarding and is that the only thing you do or do you get some core features plus that, like, can you talk about what your thoughts are?
0: man let's talk about art <laughs> that's a really right. tough question on, on its own as well uh i mean for sure there are some thoughts around um you know you you want to make sure and this is something that i've heard as well and i don't i don't necessarily know how i completely feel about this is like you need to have a lot of people's uh, you have need to have enough users signing up for you to start thinking about onboarding but in my in my view like you're that's that's kind of wasted resources like where the initial marketing effort, the initial effort you have to signing up, whether that's launching on Product Hunt or other places, uh, or like how do you acquire your first few users when uh, when they're you're just either dropping them in there or overwhelming. So I'm of the camp that as you add the futures, that you, you you're you're thinking about how how do I guide my users through this where I'm not necessarily overwhelming overwhelming them with all of these things, and going back to like the the jobs to be done, like what is, if I have, like, let's say, let's just say we, I have 10 features. What is that first feature or first two features that I need to introduce to them in this first five minutes, instead of trying to introduce them to all 10? Because there's this concept called like Hicks law. It's a psychological framework or law around like, if, if you introduce if you, if you introduce more than seven or eight things to a, new, a person, it, it takes them exponentially longer to make a decision, right? So an example is when you go to a burger place and there's only a burger or a hot dog, <laughs> you're gonna make that decision really quickly. <laughs> when you have like burger, pizza, hot dog, you got sundays, you got like shawarma like you're gonna stare out there like, hmm, what do I want? And the longer it takes for somebody to make that decision, the more likely they are to be like, screw this. I don't want anything anymore. I'm just gonna go to um, Domino's or something or like to Burger King to get a burger. <laughs> so I think it goes back to that. Like as, as you're adding on future, you want, I, I would suggest to have already an idea of like, what is that ideal flow of like logical flow? Like, oh, let's introduce them to going back to Calendly. Let's first introduce them to getting a, a meeting book with themselves. Before we introduce them to, well, you can you can sync Stripe to your Calendly so that you can get beta set consulted. Oh, if you have 10 salespeople, you can have a round robin uh, account with Calendly so that you can get more things. So like Calendly has so many features, but they know that one or two things first that they want to get them on. And that's what I was, would suggest would be like, hey, like mm. if you're starting to build on features, find that first one. And if that's the one that gets people excited, then the other one is, is the, the, the add-ons.
2: Yeah, two things stood out to me. We just said there is is there there is this threshold uh, of users you have to have before you can really make um, kind of this onboarding, uh, kind of that combination of art and science. So that, that resonates to us because sometimes we work with entrepreneurs that are like they're, they're fighting to get their first few customers, which there's aspects of onboarding that they need to address, but they're looking for the early adopters mm. that are gonna be a bit more on the bleeding edge uh, and that's the second thing is when you when you talk about addressing those key things you want to introduce what i heard is you you almost once you have that threshold you're uh, like this onboarding piece solves for the f- the first followers, not right. the ones that are going to be in there in the weeds where it's kind of half broken and they had to like right. find their way into your product. Um, but you, these are the ones that need a little bit of handholding. So that right. really, really resonated with me, Romley, and how and where this even fits for entrepreneurs that either are listening to this, uh, or even that we work with Ryan yeah. um, for how we might approach this.
0: I think I think that's a good point around, and I think that's going towards like the idea of early adopters, where like you can you can have. The, absolutely worst quote unquote onboarding experience where you have a ton of friction. But if, if somebody's motivation is super high, where like whether that motivation comes from my current situation really, really sucks. (laughs) It is the worst experience I've had. Or that motivation comes from, Oh, I'm interested in NFTs and it's super cool. I I don't, I want to be one of the cool kids or whatever that motivation comes from. I want to be part of the in crowd. If the motivation is high enough, then you're, you can overcome any kind of, of friction there. There's actually this other framework uh, that is called the BJ Fogg framework, where it actually really talks about that, like to, to change somebody's behavior, there's three, three components to it, uh, according to this doctor of uh, behavior change from Stanford. Uh, and he said that it's the first one is motivation, the second one is ability, how hard or easy it is for somebody to do something would be somebody to adopt a new habit or, or change in behavior. And the last one is around prompts. Like when you have like prompts, like um, reminders or like alarms or things like that, that get people to towards that change of behavior, uh, then it really does help out. Uh, and he's applied this to like more of habit change for people, like so that they can build good habits. But I've seen, I've actually uh, see that it really works well with people who are up, um, adopting new products as well. Like whether if yeah. you, can you increase motivation? Can you make it easier for people? Or are, do you have enough prompts inside or outside your product that, that can help people to guide through that? Interesting.
2: And it sounds, yeah, it sounds so- like the good onboarding. Oh, sorry, Ryan. It, it sounds like the good onboarding solves for the latter two of like you're not going to solve for motivation, but you can solve for ability and prompts through a, a better initial <laughs> experience. Is the way I kind of think about it.
0: I would say I would say the there there is certain and this is goes back to I think we're talking about jobs to be done. Is there a way that you can keep bringing that up? What is that end outcome they have for for somebody? Uh, what kind of emotion are they gonna achieve once they get to that end state? An example I can think about going back. I keep going back to Calendly, and I'm not sponsored by Calendly at all. Here. <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah. you're talking about, <laughs> but you're talking about removing frustration from going back and forth by by meetings or achieving. Looking professional in front of you, in front of your peers could be another one, with another an emotion, or an outcome or a job to be done. trying to accomplish like a classic example that that I've seen spammers. Well, let's say like gym when you're signing for a fitness club, like they try to show you with that that nice fit bod, body, like to focus on that. Like okay, I imagine now myself like randomly next summer I'm gonna have eight packs, not even six. And you just have that imagery in your mind, right? That's the same thing for products. Is like, how can you paint that picture of that end success when they're going through like rough times? Like, oh man, this 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 part of this onboarding sucks, or like I'm getting through it. Like, if they have that, if you painted that picture really clearly from the get go with your copy or your images uh, on your landing pages or even in your ad campaigns, then it does help increase that motivation even before they sign up for the product and go through the experience.
1: This is really interesting. This is great. I think we'll get to your, we'll get to your example in one, one moment here. We're excited to unpack that with you. <clears throat> but what we're talking about right now is actually. Do Brian, I focus? You on
2: mute.
1: No, I'm not on mute. You're not oh, okay. well, you coming through for me. I dead. hear you now. I hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yep. <clears throat> Sorry. If my headset's having problems, I'm um, like, the question is, like, as an entrepreneur, I have so many things to do, right? I'm so overwhelmed. It's hard to know what to do now, what to do later. Um, and the question kind of becomes, like, hey, when do I, thinking about customer segmentation and stage of my company and, like, you know, pre, pre-revenue, uh, first customers, like, or, or first followers, you know, like, um, I'm just thinking about when, as an entrepreneur, should I focus on onboarding? i mm. thinking about like you talked about maybe it's these early adopters that are, that are really, really motivated. Their arms on fire, like, <clears throat> right. They're going to go, they're going to go to the gym because, um, I don't know, there's some big event coming up. They need to, they're going to go on a, on a big adventure. They're going to climb Everest <laughs> or something. It's like, I need, I need to, I need to prep, um, where there's crunch there. There's high motivation. Um, and even if I can't get to the, can't get to the gym, I'm going to, you know, lift logs in my backyard or something. It's like anything, anything it takes versus someone who's kind of like couch potato, who just needs some, needs some prodding or do you know what I mean? Like, is there early on in a, in a venture, if you're targeting early adopters first, who are aware of the problem, who are already trying to solve it, who are going to, you know, crawl on their hands and knees to get to something that you're, that you're offering. If it truly is 10 times better. Right. They don't need as much hand-holding, right? And it feels it feels like the onboarding stuff is the stage afters. After you get your first 10, 15, 20, 50, maybe 100, then it's time to really focus on this. Do you agree rule. with that or no?
0: Yeah, I think I would say that's a good rule of thumb. I think the first thing I would really focus on if I was an early stage founder is really nailing down my positioning and, like, getting people ex- like. I'm going to use the word excited, but getting people like to understand exactly the problem and, uh, that they're facing with what is the problem with the current situation and why is your, the new situa- the new scenario that you're creating with your product going to be to your words, 10 times better. <clears throat> why is it like going to make their lives easier? I think that's like, if you nail that, like that, that's gonna solve a ton of problems. Not just around onboarding. It's gonna solve a, a ton of problems around sales and marketing. It's gonna solve a ton of problems around your product roadmap because now you're hyper focused on that particular scenario that you're you're trying to solve for. I think that's really what. I, once I've I've really nailed down my product positioning, is is when you can like throw um, more resources around onboarding and like scaling up your your off your offering, and even like go uh, trying to get more people to sign up for your users because like that that does help a ton and it's something that, that I've really talked about uh, as well its that like, you know if a lot of onboarding issues is is a lack of clarity around your positioning around your offering and, and getting ne- and exactly what you're trying to do with your product and how you're helping people with that
1: wonderful awesome with that let's jump into your example man
0: yeah uh- Sure, I mean th- this is just an example of what I would go through with a client. Uh, I, if if I, if I was gonna go through w- with with a with an onboarding experience, I would break it down step by step like this, where once again, like I'm putting down a post-it note for every single thing that a user needs to do to achieve success in terms of canva, canva, uh, for people who are not familiar with it, it's an easy way to create like logos. Uh, business cards, any kind of design work that you need, you can make it because they have templates for it, and you don't you don't need to have Photoshop skills at all or design skills because they have templates. So what I would go through would be just like markdown the steps that a user would need to take from right from the beginning. So first one, somebody needs to click on sign up here uh, on the homepage. After they click on sign up, uh, I prefer to click sign up with email. So there's like if I zoom in here a little bit, I know it's a little a little. Uh, a little a little dark here so like it's a sign up with email i'm going to create a post-it note for that here and when somebody signs up they're presented with three fields and one button click so i'm actually going to use post-it notes once again for every single one of these uh enter name enter email and their password click get started and and go forward from there. So once again, every field, you want to be able to write that down so to make sure that you can have a, a healthy discussion with your team. Do we really need that? Do we really need that that phone number? Do we really need that other field? Especially for more complex B2B products where you need a ton of information sometimes to sign up for something, then that does get that conversation going. Because what you want to do is with with... Oh, just... What you want to do with that is you want to be able to evaluate that with your team with a red, yellow, and green template that I that I have. So, for example, here's the first one that I usually ask people here. Uh, it, asks, it says here with Canva, as soon as you sign up with it, ask you what will, will you be using Canva for? Will you use this to recommend designs, templates, especially for you? They say you're a teacher, you're a student, you're a personal, uh, for your personal use, small business, large company, nonprofit, and charity. And usually, what I ask people here, and and the reason why it's a lot of people uh, trying to decide if this is useful at all would be, I would I would ask people, hey, is this something that's absolutely necessary for people to experience Canvas uh, promise or their first success for users? It, it, then you would mark R here. If it's yellow, something that they can delay after that success, or it's green, if it's absolutely mission critical. So, I mean, that's uh, exactly what, I mean, I'm curious for you guys, Ryan and Rob, like for this particular stuff in Canva, assuming we don't have any data, like if I, if I had data that was also uh, absolutely working for Canva, I would go to the data to see if people are getting passes. But for the both of you, just based on this, do you think this is uh, a G, mention critical? Why, if it's something that can be delayed or are something that can, uh, we need to chop off right away?
2: I think for me here, I, I go to why. Like I, I, my my explaining my thinking is sort of this is something that we the company. If I'm working for Canva, sure I want to know this so that I can maybe tee up a journey later on. But what am me? What am I the user getting out of this? Like it, to me, it's an extra step for myself. Sure. And
0: then that yeah, that's a good point, Ryan. Well, we talk, talked
1: about the uh, whiskey example and capturing right. context early, <clears throat> even on like, we're redoing the Headway website right now and we're talking about capturing context early so we can message to them specifically based on <clears throat> who they are, right? Do they mm. not have a product yet at all? It's like pre-product, no pre-revenue like launch or is it someone who's like, you know, po- you know, series A funded who's actually got teams are actually trying to figure out right. where they go next. I think those are different starting points. Right. You know, yeah, to Rob's point, like so, you're saying green is a go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so, I, I, the is What's the expert say? I'm saying I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, these aren't jobs to be done to me either, right? These are just right. like who I am. I'm a person. I'm a, I'm a. Yeah, I'm a teacher. Right. I mean, I don't know if that tells you much, but I think like right. capturing intent and capturing the idea of capturing a job to be done in context early could be right. helpful. Yes.
0: No, this is where it, this is exactly why this exercise is interesting, especially if you like. Love, Rob, I love Rob's explanation and Ryan. Like this is where like this exercise really does work out. I would say it depends on how they use this. I, I do go with both of you, but knowing I know the end, and I, uh, and you know it could take a lot longer for us to go through. Let me give you the spoiler here. I'm gonna skip this one. Skip this one too. Adding your team. So, I chose small business here, and this is the thing that they did uh with canva was like based on your answer there, they actually gave you the the popular designs based on that option, so in this case, they gave you hey you, you roundly you said you're and I would probably design this a little bit better just to make that even clearer roundly, here are the popular designs for small businesses, and they give you instagram posts lo- logos facebook posts. Uh, Facebook cover and then video and then if you select any of the other options there they give you different top designs uh knowing that now uh it, it would be for me I'm starting I'm to change see. my answer <laughs> 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 <That's> <laughs> this is
2: great like right you're, exactly what I hear in this is like this is the, the speed to value and like even though exactly. you yeah. had to slow me down for that, that half second early on you got my, my speed to value is there and the yeah. context is probably right, perhaps, but this is it's interesting to see the case study kind of come to life for how it might get debated live. Uh, exactly.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's exactly the case here. I think that they have thousands of designs and going back, back to that thing, I mentioned the Hicks law, where if you show me a thousand designs right now, I'd be like, hmm. I'm out of here. <laughs> start? But they're limiting it to like five or six or seven that they have for you. And that it makes it, like, once again, I, I think they could have, it could have been designed a little bit better here to show that that options. But to Rob's point, I think this is where that discussion comes in, especially more interesting if you have qualitative customer research data, as well as quantitative data. Now you can be like, really like, be brutal and say, hey, man, this looks nice. Like, let's say this, uh, like, hey, it looks like they're trying to add team members here. Do you really need this? Now you're actually really... Going through and finding out where you can chop things that it's not adding value or delay things after the experience that first success so that you can get to it. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, we can go through this for another half an hour. Exactly. uh, And exactly ask the same thing, but this is the exact same process I go through with any kind of onboarding experience. Uh, And if I do like, once again, if I do have access to the data, then I would marry this, this experience with, with some kind of data would it. Yeah. I think yeah. that
2: is the, like, when you showed the first question and you even, you kind of like even gave us a tip, like you don't have data where it took me is like, it told me what data I might start wanting to look exactly. for. Interesting. Um, and I, I think for a lot of the folks we work with, like even having that is like the big lift versus mm. even just figuring out what to put on the screen. The, the other thing that's sort of highlighted for me, Romley, is like the, there is also this, I'm gonna call it kind of the upper threshold. We talked about when user onboarding can start, especially for smaller entrepreneurs. And you know, I look at Canva, that's now this sort of platform thing. Right. You know, in your experience, what does that threshold for segmentation look like with multiple right. journeys? Like Ooh, right. maybe context dependent, but that's what I saw here is like, wow, Canva can serve six different types right. of users in different right. ways. Um, is that a big challenge for folks? Do people know they wanna be this big platform? Like what, what do you usually hmm. see?
0: <laughs> I would, uh, uh, I would definitely focus like focus is such a big thing, especially early on for early founders or, or entrepreneurs. I would definitely focus on one, just one experience and nailing that. And then the other stuff is it comes later. So glad I, you said I, that. Yeah. I exactly. coach
2: on that all the time and it's like Romley gets it. Like, right. Cause you can't, can't be scatterbrained until you have, mm. until you have the traction to go there. So, sorry exactly. to interrupt those. You're, you're awesome.
0: No, I I'm totally with you there. I think it, it, talking about scatterbrained, like you don't, you you can have like and I believe Jacob mentioned it earlier. You can like half-ass a bunch of different options here, but to his I think it's Ron Swanson, like you want to whole ass just one option there and like totally double down, make that absolutely awesome, make it great, make people stick around because of that one experience and then go from from there. Terrific.
1: Yeah, you know, one of my questions that I'm thinking about is. So this is great. Like you're going through each step and I, I like how you're, it's almost like micro steps, right? Cause mm. I think normally we would just look at like, Oh, it's only five screens, three screens. <laughs> exactly. Right. But the micro steps, I mean, that's mm. interesting to capture. Ooh, that's the actual friction we're creating. I exactly. also wonder like, you know, for an existing product to do an audit like that makes a lot of sense. I also kind of makes me think like, is there ever a time to just, time out let's reimagine mm-hmm. let's just map out job right. to be done you know right. like first interview <laughs> steps mm. in between you know that we, we kind of talked about and reimagine what that experience might look like right from the ground up for sure
0: i mean that's exactly i think that's a scenario where like it's i see i've seen that scenario happen twice uh in two scenarios one is like where there's ap- there's absolutely nothing, where they just drop you into the experience, like where they're like, it's a blank canvas, and that's totally what you want to do. And the other one is we worked with this company. I don't want to say who, but <laughs> they had 83 steps to get people to that first value. And I'm like, 83 steps, man, like, oh let's goodness. start from scratch. <laughs> I don't want to mark, like, yeah. you know, like the teacher with the red pen and just like, this is this is not good. Like, let's just start from scratch. And totally <laughs> to your to your point, like, Let's like what is the what are they really trying to do? What does success look like? What is and then once you have that, you, the second thing you want to ask is what is the minimum number of features or things they need to do, or what is the minimum number of fields they need to fill out to get them to that their success? And let's start hmm. with that, and then you start like discussing around. Well, the, now you now now you have a baseline to to to, add, to around the discussion whether. Uh, you know, this is this is the, the it's just a, it's just quote, "quote unquote." And I know I'm, I, I don't want I don't want to be those guys, but the minimum viable onboarding, that minimum onboarding <laughs> yeah. experience to get people to experience that that first value, is this what it is? And and really driving home that that mm. point with that.
2: So it's it's like you're removing steps, but then you're also looking at the that value that they want to get to. And what I heard you kind of say is sometimes you have to negotiate that. Like, can they actually get to that big value? And if they can't, can Mm -hmm. we break that down into a subcomponent that's reachable? Because 80, I mean, I think 83 steps feels like insanity. And are they too aspirational? Yeah, we could could teach them in an hour. We could teach them in a day. It's like, maybe you can't. Can you teach them enough so they'll come back tomorrow and pick up at 25% progress to value uh, and keep going?
0: For sure. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was just sorry, Romney, I was just going to say that, you know, if I was in, if I was doing Calendly, probably designing Calendly myself, you know, like ground zero, I would have thought to myself, well, the major steps are like account creation and sent first, you know, booked first calendar book, booked first meeting. <laughs> and man, I was actually realizing that there's there's a really high anxiety level to inviting right. someone else to a platform you don't you don't you're not familiar with. Like, um, and it, I think this requires a different type of thinking to say what would make them feel comfortable because it's an anxiety. It's like an empathy conversation then, right? What would make them feel comfortable? Oh, if they booked with themselves, mm-hmm. and if you can anchor, I think that, I think <clears throat> to me that's the that's the biggest art in this whole thing. It's like, what is that first interview, right? What is, what is, what does comfort look like? What is, mm. you know, a taste of success look like? And if we can agree on that. Then I think it. Then I think it. It becomes an exercise of like beginning with the end in mind and backing your way, backing your way out or into that. Which I think is would make it a lot, a lot easier, right? Because you right. think about, well, geez, how am I going to design this website? Mm. What are the What are the steps? I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. I could do it a million different ways, but if you're if you're anchoring in that first interview that you've talked about, right.
2: Romley, I have one question in my mind and, and maybe maybe we can close on this and I don't want it to go down a rabbit hole necessarily. so I, more of just your opinion. but in getting to first value value, you've given us all these, these kind of approaches and things to think about. Where do trials fit in on this for you with onboarding? Um, sort of general, like do you lean into that? Do you lean away from those and why in terms of getting to a good onboarding experience?
0: And when you mean by trials, like free trials, like signing up? Free trials, yeah,
2: I should have been more specific, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, the challenge with – so there's usually two types. In general, there's two types of trials. There's the time-based trial, where you give them like 7, 14 days. That's probably the most popular, and 99% of trials are usually time-based. There is one that's interesting that that, uh, has risen because of the whole product-led movement called uses based trials, where the trial doesn't end not based on time but based on the number of times they've finally use a product uh, an example I can think of uh, is Appcuse Appcuse is this onboarding tool that allows you to create tours and different things like that and the the, the tour uh, the the trial ends when a hundred of your customers or a hundred of your website visitors have seen the tour that you 've created as a as a trial, mm. and that 's when the trial ends. I think that's that's an interesting thing that I need to experiment more in terms of like getting data from other folks. Cause like that really does get to the point of like, sure, I can sign up for a seven day trial, but do you actually use it? <laughs> like how many of you yeah. have signed up for a trial where like, oh man, Rob or, or Ryan told me to sign up for this. I don't know what this is about. I'm gonna go sign up for it. <laughs> you actually don't, don't use it. Versus yeah. now uh, where you're like, you're really like, you know, we're not successful until somebody actually uses our, our product. Super, super risky in that sense, where now you're not, you don't have, like, time-based or so like, oh, so your seven-day trial is done. Uh, but yeah. I think it goes back to to the point where, like, can, can you drive people to see that value uh, sooner? Uh, and I think just rule of thumb for most products, usually within three days, like, at least get them to that uh, one quick win would be super, super big. Uh, The data I've seen uh, across the board from B two C and B two B is after three days you've usually lost somebody already. Uh, Even for HubSpot, where you like any kind of B two B where it requires setting up something, uh, because like. I don't, I don't even remember what I ate for lunch three days ago, you know, like much less (laughs) like yesterday. So like, I don't remember what I signed up for three days ago. And then I'm getting this email. I was like, what is this app that I signed up? Why are they sending me emails? I don't quite remember. So I think that's, that's just something that I, that I've seen is like, you want to really be driving home, whether it's freemium, free trial or anything else, like you really want to, uh, get them to a quick win within the the product, uh, within, within that timeframe.
2: Yeah. Amazing. That's wonderful. well, Romley. Like this, this chat truly, truly amazing. And Orion and I taking notes, we're going to try and fold some of these learnings into our practice. Um, Ramley, where can people like find your book? Where can they find you? Like, what's the best way to, to stay in touch with us and our community?
0: For sure. I mean, they can find me on Twitter, I'm super active there uh, at Ramley John uh, and LinkedIn as well. Um, feel free to email me if you have any questions, Ramley at productlet.com. And, uh, my book, you can find at onboardingbook.com, and they can check out the first chapter for free. If they like it, then they can get the book for like five, $10 on, on Amazon everywhere. So, uh, it's called product led onboarding and, and that's now available in any Amazon store anywhere.
2: Awesome. Congrats on the book.
1: Yeah. Romney, thanks so much for joining us. Yes. Big congrats. Uh, join Robin on, on the book. Um, This was a really great discussion. We, we covered a lot of, of great things from customer segmentation. We talked about, you know, an art and a dance and, and 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 how wonderful and how important that that onboarding really is. It's made us kind of rethink, hey, how do we work with startups and how do we um, how do we how do we find out what that first, you know, first nugget of value might might be and work customers towards. So, Romley, thanks so much for joining us and be sure to check out uh, Romley's site, follow him on Twitter and check out his new book, Product Onboarding. Thanks, Romley.
0: Thanks so much. Thanks,
1: Rob, Ryan. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this episode gave you some fresh perspectives and even some inspiration to help you on your product journey.
2: You can access notes, links and resources from this episode at exploringproduct.com. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with us on Twitter so that we can chat about it together. Until next time, keep exploring.